0: Hey, this morning, if you have your Bibles, or if you have a digital version, whatever, just get the 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll get there in a moment, okay? We're going to continue our series called Through the Noise. It's our study of the, the letter of 2 Peter. And um, let me just give you a disclaimer, okay? This morning, I'm very confident that everyone in the room is going to disagree with me at some point during the sermon. <laughs> just wait for your time, okay? Just, just, just uh, eventually, I mean, they're not intentionally, but I think I'll get everybody pretty fast, okay? Um, why do I know that? Because we're Americans, um, and Americans like freedom, <laughs> and we really don't like what we're looking at today, <laughs> okay? Let's, let's be honest. Let me ask it to you this way, all right, I just, I just start with a few theoretical questions. How many of you have ever had a car, or, or were driving a car, that you thought, wouldn't it be fun to figure out how fast this car goes? Now who's going to be honest in the room, and some of which, you know, this, this is a place, look, we're not talking about lying today, so just admit it, it's fine, it's it's not, yeah, okay. So, so but there's something that's a hesitation to us in that. There, there's at least two things that maybe hesitate that cause us to, to slow down a minute before we, you know, do that. One is the police. Yes. Look, I love what the Sheriff's Department does and what the poli- Topeka Police Department does. But honestly, I don't want to give them any money. I mean, like. Um, I'd like to use it for the things I want to use it for. Like I'd prefer to give it to missions. I spend it on one of my kids. I mean, I like to use it for a lot of other things. Help somebody out. But I prefer not to give it to the. Yes, I, I just don't want to pay a speeding ticket. They're expensive, and that's a good, and Safety is one of those pieces that is important, you know. And so we tend not to speed for that reason. As well, but here, look, okay. Look, I know we're not supposed to speed, but but please. Do not drive below the speed limit down Wanamaker, okay? (laughs) Okay. All right, so if you think back even towards, like, the founding of the United States, right? How did that happen? Okay, it happened, it was simple. It was, we just sent a letter to the British and said, we need to go our own way because you guys don't know what you're doing. You're pathetic at running your country and we don't run, you run running ours. We want our own. Okay, that's a little simplistic. I know it was the Declaration of Independence. I know, it's, But notice, the British didn't like that idea, and it caused sort of a war, right? They didn't go, okay, fine, we're good with it, just, here you go. We'll sign off, you're now free. You know, America was actually born out of rebellion. I know, I know, I know. They did term it in, you know... We've been endowed by our Creator with certain inalienable rights, you know, and and I know that's how it starts. But but there's a little bit of rebellion there. Look, there's a little bit of rebellion in all of us, right? I mean, all of us. There's a little bit of rebellion inside of us. Um, Why do I know that? Because we actually think that we can do a better job than everyone else doing whatever job they're doing okay if you don't think that's true we know we can do a better job than every elected official on the planet right along those lines if you leave here today and you drive down 21st Street and I didn't drive this way today but I did on Friday but, but if you leave here and drive 21st Street West and you go between McVicar and Gage, you're going to drive past a construction zone that's in the middle of the road that's been going on for multiple months, and it looks to me like they've just replaced a few pieces of concrete. How long can that take? Like, just think about road construction and detours in this town. We know we can do it better. Right? I mean, that's just the way we function. If you're a sports fanatic, Which, remember, fan is just short for fanatic. So if you're a fan, you're a, okay, you may not be the addict part, but you're a fan. And so if you're you're a sports person, if you have been watching any sport whatsoever, how many times have you questioned what the manager or the coach was doing? Or the players, for that matter? What was he thinking? We're thinking, if I had the same skill set he had, I'd have made a better choice than he made. Because we know we can do it better than them. If you don't think that's true, listen to talk radio, sports or otherwise. There are people with a lot of opinions about a lot of subjects, and they know they're better than the people that are currently doing it. It seems like it's a national pastime in our country for rebellion. Just think about teen years. If you're past your teen years, now see, now's where you're like, oh, don't even go there. If you're past your teen years, think back about it. How many times did you question what your parents told you to do? (laughs) Because you know you knew better at that point in time. Now, not all teenagers are that way. But if you're a teenager and you operate with the willingness to go along with your parents and you hang out around people who don't have that same willingness, they're going to make fun of you. Because rebellion is a normal thing in the teen years. Being compliant is not looked upon. Look, we don't remember the people who did things the way that they were supposed to be done. We actually celebrate the rebel in our country. Sometimes it's for really good reasons. Look, we make movies about people who did crazy, stupid stuff, who were criminals in our country. And we go watch them. Or we celebrate them. We also celebrate some people who do things and did things that were totally appropriate, but were rebellious in nature. Okay, The Civil Rights Movement is that subject. Look, it was the right thing. Do- Dr. King did the right thing. He was doing the right stuff. But it was born out of, this is no longer acceptable. We can't stay where we are. And that's what happens to all of us to some extent. You're probably wondering what all this has to do with 1 Peter chapter 2. But as we read it, I think you're going to understand. And so verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 2 says this. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and honor those who do right. It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free... Yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. And respect the king. You know, whenever you read that, and whenever you read that first part, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. Like, we don't like that much. Okay, there's part of that that that, kind of, grates against us. And whatever submit means, it's important for us to understand that submission is in some form, a form of abstaining from fleshly desires and of good behavior that works towards good. I mean, you have to abstain from bad behavior and do good things. That's what submission is about. If Peter is writing this, in the early 60s, which is probably when he's writing it, probably early 60s A.D., then the king he is writing about, submitting to, in all likelihood, is Nero. Emperor Nero. Look, Nero would never have been confused with a person that deserved to be submitted to because of their great leadership and their benevolence. Okay, Nero was not, if you, under, if you know your Roman history, Nero was not a good man. Okay, Nero eventually, and th- so, so, so this is early 60s. By, by about 68, there's a huge fire that takes place in Rome, right? And he blames who for it? He blames the followers of Jesus. He blames the Christians. And so at that point, we know where he's headed. But you understand that, that Peter is writing this, Nero is king. And he's writing this to to the people of the Roman Empire. Essentially, everybody was in the Roman Empire. He's writing this to them saying, look, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. And he goes on and spells it out. Because, see, if he had said that to us, right, Americans, we would have been like, well, yeah, but he didn't say. Because we're looking for a loophole, right? I mean, he didn't say, we're not all lawyers, but we're sort of lawyers at heart. You know, we're like... Okay, they didn't tell me I couldn't do that. Okay, they said I couldn't do these things, but I, this one's still able to be. Well, and that's what we would do. We would go, well, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. Okay, but that's only good human authority. It's not what he's saying. That's not what, what, what Peter is writing. He's writing it to everybody. In case we miss the concept, the letter to the church at Rome in chapter 13... Says it this way. Everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authorities rebelling against what God has instituted, and they will be punished. For the authorities do not strike fear in people who are doing right, but in those who are doing wrong, would you like to live without fear of the authorities? Do what is right, and they will honor you. The authorities are God's servants, sent for your good. But if you are doing wrong, of course you should be afraid. For they have the power to punish you. They are God's servants sent for the very purpose of punishing those who do what is wrong. So you must submit to them. Not only to avoid punishment, but also to keep a clear conscience. Pay your taxes, too, for the same reasons. For government workers need to be paid. They're serving God in what they do. Give to everyone what you owe them. Pay your taxes and government fees to those who collect them. And give respect and honor to those who are in authority. Now... Like who wants to read that? I mean, who, why, why would we, why, why would we want to do that? I mean, Rome was obviously a wicked place and, and their government was wicked. There was all kinds of issues. I mean, we're just talking about Nero, but the, the line in front of him and the line behind him is not actually the, the lists for sainthood, okay? There, there's, there's just a bunch of evil guys in there. There's some that Follow Nero a little bit better. But, but if you study the Caesars, it, they're terrible, most of them. And yet, in that context, the early church has been instructed to submit to their authority. It appears that the followers of Jesus are to submit to the authority of the government. Not because they are the government. Not because they're the final authority. We're we're to submit to the government for the Lord's sake. Because of God, because of Christ's work in us, we're we're to submit to the authorities that are around us. Uh, Peter gives an interesting reason for submitting to the king. In verse 16, he says it this way. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Now, we've got to talk about that for just a minute. He, he's saying, Peter's saying, submit because you're free. He, he's saying, submit. Look, look, your allegiance is not to your government. Your allegiance is not to, to those in authority over you. Your allegiance is to God. And because your allegiance is to God, because your citizenship is in heaven, then submit to where you are living, to the authority that's over you. Because God is in that. Now, are they doing everything that God wants? No, they, they're, they're not. But, but because of your freedom, submit. Which seems, but that's typical of the kingdom, right? Everything seems weird. Because of your freedom, submit to the authorities over you. Freedom and liberty were not to be used negatively. Either to create political chaos or moral irresponsibility. Their freedoms were to be used, and because they're free, they're to be used to honor God. For the followers of Jesus, our ultimate allegiance is to Jesus, not to the King. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't obey. In fact, it means we should obey. That's the reason that Peter probably writes verse 17. And he says, respect everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, and respect the king. And we'll come back to that in just a few minutes. We'll come back to verse 17. But I know, based upon what we've talked about so far, there are those of us in the room that are looking for the exception. Okay? There are exceptions to submitting to the king and to government. And there are some of those, just like there's exceptions to obeying parents, even though Paul told the Ephesian church and the Colossian church similar things. In, in Ephesians 6.1, it says this, children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Okay? So then it comes into the question, like if that's pretty straightforward, that, that's really, that's not even in the honor world, the obey world. Okay, so honor is one thing, obey is another. Honor is honor your parents because you should honor them, but as you get to be an adult, you don't necessarily obey them, you're honoring them. Look, I can give you an example of that. Okay, and when I make it, when I was making a decision as to what I was going to do with my life in the midst of what these guys are experiencing, I was a freshman in college, I had made a commitment to follow Christ, and, and I was sensing a call to ministry in my life life and just a call towards pastoral ministry and I asked my parents what they thought I ought to do. I had two options to do it. I could go to, a, to Bible college or I could finish at Washburn and go through global university. My dad, I knew and I said, look, I know if I go to Bible college, I know you won't pay. I get that. I'm giving it out. I, I think this is where God has me going. Th- then here, here's a. So in honoring my parents, I was asking their input on my decision even though they didn't understand my decision. My parents did not understand what it meant to be called to ministry, they didn't understand what that was. And so at that moment, I'm asking my parents, and by asking, I'm honoring them. I'm actually asking them if they want to bail on paying for my college, which they actually were doing and continued to do all the way through school for me. So I actually got out of school with owing no debt because my parents paid for college. But after my freshman year, I gave them the out and said, hey, I, I understand. So there's an example of honoring, okay? Obeying is doing what your parents say. That's pretty easy to illustrate. What's n- tougher to illustrate is when is it okay to not obey parents, okay? It's the same criteria that is set for in motion for, for not listening and not submitting to the government, okay? But I'll give you an example because I, I don't want students to, to miss me here. Um, I want them to understand but here it is, it's whenever your parents ask you or tell you to do something that is contrary to the moral law of God Okay. so if you think in terms of when is it okay to disobey parents it's when a parent gives instructions that would have you disobey the moral law of God, here's an example it's a real life example so here's a real life example, not for my life but, but I'm just telling you here's a real life example um, and I be, once I tell the story, you know I'm not going to tell you any idea who it is or what it happened or where it happened. So I'm not going to give you any details other than here's the, here's the deal. We're talking about a, a young lady who is about 16 years old who makes a commitment to f- Christ to follow Jesus, and, and her father is not a follower of Jesus. Okay, And so in the midst of that, she... Um, goes to a camp and she realizes that God wants her to live her life honoring him and and, wants, and she makes a commitment that she is going to uh, live sexually pure until marriage. But she tells her parents that. That she's going to remain sexually pure until college. And they tell her, no you're not. You're going to sleep with at least four people before you get married. Now I realize in this room you go... In our culture today, the other side of that, when a student makes a decision to follow Jesus, they are not usually supported at home if their parents are not followers of Jesus. They had a whole different perspective. They, they looked at that child just like we would look at a child and go, yeah, you know, you've not lived enough. You You need to... You know, you know. We need to help you understand. You don't understand. Just like okay, there's rebellion in all of us, right? I mean, so so there's some, and so the parents are looking at, that. no, no, you just don't understand. You need to make sure that there's. Then you tell me what's the what's the child supposed to do? Are they supposed to listen to that parent? No. The parent is asking them to violate the moral law of God, and so no, they're not to do that. So so they're not going to do that. All right, so. Look, when we get to civil disobedience, because for the most part, we don't have to worry about either of these scenarios, right? Even even the 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 disobeying the king, we don't really have to worry about that a whole lot. At least we haven't had to. We may in the future, I don't know. But here's the deal. For the most part, we don't have to worry about it. Civil disobedience, disobeying a parent, or civil disobedience, not not listening to the king, is basically the same answer, and it's It's the last resort. It's the last option that we would employ. After all other things have been exhausted. Look, we have biblical evidence for civil disobedience. I mean, most would know that if you think back to Exodus, Pharaoh had given instructions to the midwives. And those instructions were you're to kill every Hebrew boy as they're born. They got to die leave them alone, don't help them, just let them die. Well, the midwives, we know of at least one occurrence, that they didn't think that was morally okay. And so they, you know, they load little Moses into a, a, a basket and send him down the Nile, and that was better than let him die. And his life is spared because then God has his plan. There's, there's times where you have to come to a place where you're going to disobey and you're going to not submit to the government authority when they're asking you to do something that's morally objectionable. And not just morally objectionable, it has to be significant violating the moral law of God. And I'll I'll get to how we can do that. Another one, another example is Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5, Peter and the disciples are told to stop preaching Jesus, right, They were told to stop preaching Jesus because they did something good. They healed the man. And they're told, don't ever speak and teach about this man, Jesus, anymore. Well, their response to that, because they knew what Jesus had told them, Jesus had told them to preach the gospel, to make disciples of all nations. And the only way it's going to happen is by preaching. And now the government is saying, that's illegal. They determined we're going to obey God, not men. We'll follow God and not government. They're going to preach the gospel even if they put him in jail, even if they punish them, and even if they execute us, which is exactly what happens. Peter, his history tells us, was uh, crucified upside down. Like Most of the disciples experienced some kind of death of that nature. So if you're faced with a question as to whether you should obey your parents... Um, Because you think uh, that what they're asking you to do isn't okay with God. Here's the way to go that. And it's really basically the same answer for whether it's okay to disobey the government. But first off, for for students, for teenagers, children, you can't listen to your friends. You can't talk to people your own age you actually need to find people who are followers of Jesus who are known to be full of wisdom and you should explain your situation and then if they agree that you shouldn't obey your parents then there's probably a potential this exists but you need to run this through a lot of filters in order to make sure that obviously it has to you know be a violation of God's moral law from the scriptures and then we kind of walked there civil disobedience is is the same kind of deal you need to not make those decisions probably on your own. You need to find some close people to get some wisdom. Look, some crazy person on the internet is going to tell you that whatever you're asking is right, okay? So don't listen to them. You, you need to find people you trust. Um, you know, there's some place on the internet that's going to tell you that you don't have to pay taxes. Uh, as far as I can tell, most of us in the room pay taxes. Here's why I know. Because if you don't pay your taxes, you end up um, on a taxpayer-funded um, residential system um, that includes food in fact, um, little freedom, no freedom, but you do get a nice you know, bed and room with bars and some of those things so that's what happens if you don't pay your taxes, so for the most part in the room you're paying taxes because otherwise you're going to prison and so nobody wants to do that, at least I don't think, it's the same reason we don't want speeding tickets right, it's kind of a whole deal Look, civil civil disobedience is necessary when there's a significant conflict between what the government is telling us to do and what God is telling us to do. They're rare, but they happen. The early church respected authority and taught that we should respect authority and submit to government. Now let's go back to verse 17. It says, respect everyone and love the family of believers, fear God and respect the king. We are to fear God, not in terms of being afraid, but to realize that God has ultimate power. Here's the problem. We tend to fear the king and respect God. It's backwards. We must fear God, respect the king. See, the king has power to do this life in, not the next one understood. They understood that their ultimate allegiance and responsibility was to Jesus, not to the king. And in that case, King Nero. They, they, they wouldn't go along with what was happening in that culture. Now, they dealt with it. They, ha- they found ways to wander through it. But they dealt with the understanding that if they do what they do, if they honor God and they preach the gospel, they might die. Their response to that was if I die, I die. But they didn't and we aren't to use our freedom as an excuse for sin and disobeying authority. We are, sub- we are to submit to the earthly authority until it forces us to sin against God and disobey his authority. All authority is derivative authority. That means it's derived from God. Like all the whether they like it or not, derive authority from God. We have to understand that as well. Look, when we talk about some of this stuff, when we talk about all the things that that are coming in the midst of this time of year from now until, let's say, the first week of November, okay? Um, Look, Peter's first application of the principle of holy living... In the midst of persecution concerns how Christians ought to relate to governing authorities. It brings us to a conversation about the relationship between the church and the state. The church should always be involved in the state. The state is never to be involved in the affairs of the church. Now, here's this way this works. The the church, because you remember, the church as an entity is not going to be involved in the affairs of the state. But the church as individual people are going to be involved in the affairs of the state. Look, we are have that responsibility. As followers of Jesus, we are going to be involved in that process. We are going to bring our faith and our beliefs into the public square. If we don't, we're actually failing our responsibility ...as a moral agent in our world. Okay, that's part of our responsibility. There will be those who will tell Christians to keep your God out of their lives. Um, People think this way in America and they also thought that way in Rome. I will show you, well I won't show it to you, I'll read you a graphic... um, that, ...that I've run across, in fact it was on one of my relatives' pages... Um, on Facebook um, And person loves to put things like this Up there um, um, They were um, You know Part of uh, University of Miami Law School And some of that stuff But anyway um, It says this Until your government or your church pays taxes They have no say in my government Okay That's the way people think If they're not followers of Jesus And especially if they're more on the atheistic side of things um, to which we can respond very quickly, we pay taxes. Because right? remember, the church is not this. The church is this. It's you and I as individuals, right? I mean, that's just the whole deal. So we pay our taxes. Look, we as the church need to be involved in doing good in our community. So we, we need to be a part of this. And so we are people who need to be involved in the public square. We need to be involved in What's going on in our culture. But here's something we ought to also be careful of. Because from here until November, and every other time in between, because it's sort of a sport in America to make fun of politicians. They make it easy. (laughs) But... As followers of Jesus, we probably ought to show more respect. I don't care which side of the aisle they're from, we ought to show respect. Because from what I'm reading in the pages of Scripture, they're placed there by God. I know, I know, I know, I know. We can watch results of elections. We go, no, no, no. There's no way God had anything to do with that. I'm not saying He did, but He did allow it to happen. I'm just saying. Okay, so if God, the Scriptures teach us that He doesn't want somebody in power, He'll rise up another king and take them down. Right? and that that happened with Nero and it'll still happen here. and, and, And He will eliminate people who He wants to eliminate, but we need to leave some of that elimination to Him and not to us. And we need to respect people and authority around us. We just have to. That's a follower of Jesus. That's what we're called to. And, and it's so easy for us to be caught into the trap of making fun of or or making light of or or, or picking on politicians. And I love to do it. Okay? I mean, I, I you know, they're easy. I mean, just, you watch any late night talk show, right? And it's like fair game on everybody. I mean, it just doesn't matter who they are. But here's the point. The point is, as a follower of Jesus, that's probably not appropriate. We of all people, should honor and respect those who are in authority over us. And that's hard to do. But that is what God is wanting us to do. He's wanting us to submit to them. Now, d- does that mean we shouldn't bring our ideas? Absolutely not. We ought to be bringing our, our ideas and our moral law and our moral code into into the public square we ought to have conversations about policies we ought to work our way into those places to have those conversations but if we do not don't just throw darts at people that's not what jesus has called us to he's called us to respect and submit to authority now here's what peter expects to happen if the church As individuals and as a corporate church will start to do what they're supposed to do. In 1 Peter 2.15 says, It is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. What are some of the good things that we're doing in our community? See, both as individuals and as a church, we ought to be doing good things. We ought to be living honorable lives in front of people that there's nothing that they can say about us. That, in fact, our honorable lives lived in front of them is such a testimony of God's grace and power in our lives that we're different than other people. Just like this whole conversation about, you know, politicians. Let's just figure out a way to pray for those Who are in authority over us? Oh, that's a biblical concept. To pray for those who are in authority over us that are leading our government and all those. Let's pray for them. It's hard to make fun of somebody you're praying for. But we ought to live honorable lives. And we ought to live lives that reflect Christ in the public square so much so. And as a church, both collectively and as individuals, we're doing some things that show significant impact. So let's consider just a couple things. Let's consider. I, I know, and I, I, I see Dawn, and and and, and 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 yeah. Just like, oh my goodness, uh, but, but but I'm thinking of your school. I'm thinking uh, of the school and just the things that we do with the breakfast and just for the teachers and 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 what does, does that speak? Good, it does. For those of you make food and 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 do all that thing and and and, and put that together, it, it is incredible. It speaks. Good. So are they going to speak bad of us? <laughs> no. They may not even like our theology, but they're not going to speak bad of us. We bring them breakfast. Right? The, the way to of people often is food. Right? I mean, but we know it. I mean, look, fundraisers. Every fundraiser we do has to do with food. Right? I mean, think. Fundraiser yesterday. Tea. Like, not just tea, but there was food. The Fundraiser Wednesday. There's food. It may not be healthy for us, but we know how to make money. Just serve food. Right? And, and we know how to connect to people. Look, Another place that we we see it, the Sharefest. When when the people got together at Sharefest and went and and served, and that was a community ideal, and you see people are involved and are doing things, and and we're making a a concerted effort as churches and our community to, to serve our own community. Free labor, free materials, doing work that couldn't be done otherwise, helping schools and other community projects, it's huge. Think about the mission and our partnership with the mission and what the mission does in our community and, 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 and just think about how those things are positive. Think about Royal Family Kids Camp and, and, and just providing a week of positive memories and love and, and the love of Jesus for one week and, and, and these kids' lives are changed because of it. Speaking of Royal Family Kids Camp, if you're a man in the room and you have a week to give, we could use two male counselors. On behalf of those children, I'm begging you. Those kids won't come to camp if we don't have people. Their lives won't be changed. If you're a follower of Jesus and you have a week to give, and you can take off vacation. And you re- I know it's going to take sacrifice. But you know what? When we talk about things like doing royal family and serving the foster kids in our community. And the foster parents, because it does both, believe me. Um, one is a week of kids away. And one is a week of freedom. I mean, it's just, you know, they're just a different way of looking at it. The kids are like, woo this is awesome. The foster parents are like, woohoo, this is awesome. It just is win-win. I mean, it's just the way it is. And so when you think about that, you're, you're we're, we're serving... Those was this fortunate community. No one's going to, they're not going to look at us and go, well, you know, your the theology's just off. It stinks. They're not going to look at that. They're looking at that going, man, you're impacting kids. You're giving your life to serve others. Yeah, people are going to be okay with that. It's pretty amazing what, what can happen in those places. Look, there's so much more we could talk about. And there's so much more we could do to bless our community and minister to our community. And we need to. But we ultimately understand that our responsibility as followers of Jesus is not just to make the world a better place. We are to make Christ known to those who don't know Him yet. They don't have to follow Him. But our responsibility is to make Him known. To communicate the message of Jesus to people who have not yet heard That's our responsibility. Who've not yet understood. That's our responsibility. Our responsibility is to serve people who don't know Jesus. And it's to serve people who do know Jesus. It's to love the family of believers, but also to fear God and respect the King. We must make a difference in our community by doing good. But we just can't be known for just doing good. We must make Christ known. The church isn't called to be the United Way. We're called to make disciples. And in the process of making disciples, we should be doing good for those around us. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore let us offer through Jesus a continual sacrifice of praise to God, proclaiming our allegiance to his name. And don't forget, To do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. That's what we're called to be. We're called to be people who offer through Christ continual sacrifice of praise to God. Proclaiming our allegiance to him. And while that's happening, do good and to share with those who are in need. To communicate the message of Jesus. Everywhere we go. To make him known and to make disciples. Look, in the midst of the culture that we live in, there's all kinds of noise. You're going to be told a lot of things that we should and shouldn't do. You're, you're going to be told a lot of stuff about, you know, this, is, this world's crashing down. And the, the end of this election is going to be the end of the world. You know, I've only heard that since I became a Christian. Never heard it before then. What I'm telling you is, do we really believe our God is bigger than everything else? If he is, then we can submit to the governing authorities. And we can do it in honoring Jesus. We can do it and honor God. Now, there may come a time when we've got to resist some things and do some stuff. I don't know where that is. I don't have the trigger point for it. But when it happens, you'll hear it because I'll tell you. I'll say straight up, at this point, we cannot listen to the king. We don't have a king. But you know what I'm saying. You understand that at some point that could happen. When the day comes when I can't communicate Jesus freely, that's going to be one of those days. When I can't communicate Jesus in the marketplace, that's going to be one of those days. But there's not many of them that are coming in America but those could, and if they do, that's where we got to draw the line. When we get there, we get there. We'll cross it when we get there. Until then, we're to do exactly what the Scriptures teach us. Fear God. Submit to the King. And if we do those things, we're going to bring honor to God. And we're going to be able to navigate this world we live in. I realize every one of you in the room would do better than those we've elected or going to elect. Because we all know it. Bottom line is, whoever gets elected, we're going to fear God. We're going to respect the king. And we're going to live life as followers of Jesus, knowing our ultimate citizenship is not America. It's heaven. And he's going to help us walk through this noise that we've got to live in. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this day. God, I pray that you'd help us as we, as f- your followers, navigate this world we live in. Lord, and even navigate this season that we're in the middle of. That we will live our lives as followers of Jesus. Reflecting Jesus to those around us. Lord, I don't care what people believe. Help me to love them. Help me to care for them. Help me to do good to them. Help me to make you known to them. Lord, that you would be pleased with my life, that you'd be pleased with our lives, and that our lives would reflect you, and we would live such honorable lives before the people around us. They couldn't say anything about who we are and what we are. Lord, thank you for it. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to navigate this. And Lord, this morning, God, just speak into every one of our lives the very thing that you're wanting. In Jesus' name, amen.